Have you ever been called a band geek, a theater nerd, cyber dork, studio rat, gamer punk, orchestra dork, book monkey, drama jock, poindexter, artsy fartsy, or just plain weird? Well then, welcome to Art Nerds. This is the podcast where we sit down with our nerdy friends, embrace our inner geek, and celebrate our art. And welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to Art Nerds. This is the place where we talk with our nerdy friends about their art. I have got a friend of mine from the past few years uh, here from Parkland. This is Alicia Buskirk. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I am super stoked to have you on the show. Um, like I said, Alicia and I go uh, you were a student of mine, and now we have become friends. And tell us, Alicia, what is your art? My art is fake pro wrestling. <laughs> Fake pro. So you, okay. I, I knew we were going to get into this. I didn't realize it was going to be the first question off the bat. Yes. You wholeheartedly admit it's fake. Well, yeah. So my version, so pro wrestling um, has some predefined, predetermined nature. And mine is a faker version of that. It is even less realistic than pro wrestling. Oh, so is it is it awful just for show then? Is it just... I mean, I would say what I do is maybe 70% theater, 30% actual wrestling. <laughs> so there is some, there is some real wrestling involved. There is some real wrestling involved. It is a physical activity. I've broken my thumb. I think when we first met, my thumb was broken from. Oh, my stars. Yes. From doing a, a wrestling move poorly. <laughs> so how did you get into this? Yeah, my passion. I just, I love pro wrestling. I've always, um, I've been a fan, maybe 10 years, 10 years or so. I find it super, super enjoyable. It combines everything I like about sports, theater, soap opera. I think it's just a really goofy and enjoyable product. And so when I came to Champagne, I saw there was Champagne Ladies Amateur Wrestling or Claw. Claw. Yeah. Which we will put links to in the below in the descriptors. <laughs> yes. When I saw that Claw was taking applications, I jumped on it because I was new to town. I already loved wrestling and it seemed really cool. And and you you fit right in, right? I did. I came right on, jumped into training, and immediately broke my thumb. <laughs> so I had to sit out our first two shows and then the pandemic happened. Oh no. And so we didn't do any uh didn't do any shows for a while, but we've been recruiting in the last probably 6 months or so and I have kind of become our de facto leader. Okay, so is is there a hierarchy? Is there, is there like a is it that organized like you're the president or something? I am just... not. My my title kind of changes on my mood. Sometimes I say I'm the organizer of claw claw captain uh <laughs> it really <laughs> the big claw. <laughs> I'm just the person who's willing to send emails. Okay, so it's not that <laughs> not that hard and fast in terms of organization. Yeah, I send emails and my name is in the bank account because we do have a little bit of money. Okay. <laughs> not much, but we use it to buy supplies. Okay, fair enough. Okay, now, let me get my nomenclature straight. Should I say it's a performance or should I say it's a, a wrestling match or? We usually, we'll say the whole thing is a performance and we organize it by matches. So we'll say, you know, Punky Bruiser had a match with Whammy Faye Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so okay, <laughs> so many questions on my stars. Yes. Okay. Um, now where was I going with this? So yeah. So where 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 do you perform then? Generally, in a normal year, we have shows anywhere between two to five times a year. As we're kind of getting back to our new normal, we're trying to figure out how often people have you know time to perform, how comfortable people are in 
different settings. So last year we did a show at uh, Urbana Pride Fest. And okay. that was an outdoor show on Urbana's uh, mobile stage, which was fun. So we were out out in the middle of the street, you know, kids running around, oh, super fun. That sounds like a blast. Festival atmosphere. It was great. And uh, Champaign Park District asked us to do this show, and so we'll be at Spalding Park. We're calling it Sparring at Spalding. That's right. That's coming up here when in June, right? Yep, June 25th. So really, outdoor festivals are great for CLAW. We have done our own shows. Um, earlier iterations had more of a punk DIY aesthetic, and that really lent itself well to having CLAW shows at venues, at um, kind of concerts, concert okay. venues, house shows. We've kind of morphed into more of a family-friendly entity. I Kids love buying merch. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to go all Vince McMahon, but... And kids just like, even real wrestling, I say real, even real pro wrestling, kids love. It's very flamboyant. It's flashy. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, I remember as a kid, Saturday mornings, once the cartoons were over, the local stations ran wrestling matches. It's perfect for children because especially American pro wrestling, a lot of it is just a morality play. It's good guy versus bad guy. You're right. Yeah. And that really lends itself and well And that still to plays out even in the, the big arena kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. That's great. So, uh, so did you grow up watching this kind of stuff or? You know, it was around. I never really liked it as a kid. I actually fell into wrestling kind of ironically. <laughs> it was on a streaming service and I thought like, oh, pff, this looks stupid. I'll put this on and oh, oh, wow. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> so elitist that I was, I just put it on for some you know, some, to make fun of, really. And then I started watching, and they are, they're doing real moves. They're telling sometimes basic, but sometimes engaging stories. you got these big personalities, and I really just fell in and love with it. That's Yeah, because my nephew is big into um, the wrestling scene, but he also likes the, I guess it's the Mexican version with the masks. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. You got Lucha Libre. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's any different or... That's... Man, if you like, this is, wrestling is perfect for nerds because it's a bit like comics and that you've got a hundred years of history. You've got all kinds of different, different countries versions. So like Mexican wrestling is a little more acrobatic. They're very into roles because originally uh, Mexican wrestling took place in boxing rings. And boxing rings have very hard floors because if you're falling on the floor in a boxing match, you're done. Okay. And oh, right. Sure. And so with you know with a boxing ring, it doesn't have a lot of give, and so they had to get used to rolling through moves so they don't just go splat and so break they their backs. Pound themselves on there. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a real world reason why they ended up developing this very specific style. Oh, interesting. It's pretty fun. Uh, British wrestling. Uh, it's catch as catch can wrestling, and it comes from kind of the more boxing, but also like bare knuckle fighting, um, the kind of things that like miners would get up to like in their spare time. And so okay. that's where you get some of the British wrestling style that's evolved to this day. So would you say the British style is a little more recreational as opposed to showy or? It is a little, it's maybe a little more grappling focused. It's okay. very like lots of holds, lots of submissions, and it's maybe a little bit more sports focused than ours. Okay. Because as a kid, I remember seeing the Saturday morning stuff and it was, it was definitely the sprung floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could hear it. Mm -hmm. Even through the television, like cruddy little 1970s television. They usually mic the ring to get that extra effect. Oh, it do really, they really? They do. 
<laughs> a little, little extra showmanship. A little, <laughs> a little, little, little sound effect. That, okay. See, the more I know about it, the more it appeals to my sense of theater. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, um, cause the stuff I watched as a kid was always pretty showy. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, I guess it's American version of it. American wrestling is very pageant based. So you have really big characters, kind of more of a spectacle. That's where like, that's really where our, our style kind of shines here in the U.S. <laughs> the thing is like some of our, you know, biggest exports of like, you know, macho man, Randy Savage, right, yeah. Hulk Hogan, bigger than life personalities. Right, 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 right. Cause I, and again, uh, cause I've even seen like Andre the Giant wrestle mm-hmm. just as a sheer, I wouldn't know if it's a story, but it's it's a much, very sideshowy. Absolutely. To a certain, I mean, when somebody like that wrestles. Well, I mean, that's originally uh, a lot of American basis for pro- professional wrestling comes from carnivals. Um, a lot of carnival language is actually still employed in wrestling. So fans aren't fans; they're marks. Oh, really? Yes. If you're if you're a fan who kind of knows what's going on, you're a smart mark. Um, <laughs> even the. No, that sounds like gangster language where you're trying to get something out of those people, <laughs> like money or a something. Little, I mean, a little bit. Uh, you know, earlier wrestling was very rigged and you get the marks in. You try and make them believe it's real. So they spend their money, maybe do a little betting. Oh, that's... So it's very carny, carny based. It's all falling into place for me. <laughs> it makes so much sense. This is great. This is great. So um, again, you said you, you fell into it kind of ironically just watching it. On television in recent, more recent years. So what, uh, there was this big, like you said, the Hulk Hogan years and back in the late eighties and nineties, there was this, it was giant at, at a certain point in the public eye. Is that kind of when you started I getting st- into it or? No, I actually, I started maybe, maybe 2012, 2013. So. Oh, wow. Even more recent. Pretty recent. Um, but nerd that I am, once I got into it, I got into it. I had to find old pay-per-views, learn the history. Yeah. So I really, um, I'm not an expert, but I feel fairly knowledgeable about wrestling from the last five or six decades. That, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, because uh, yeah, there was this big, big, just, I don't know if I want to call it a renaissance, but there it, it turned into something crazy in the 80s. There was popularity in the 50s, and it really, in the 80s, I don't know, it was just perfect Perfect cultural moment for those big beefy guys. Yeah. The kind of American versus foreigner stories. So you've got like American versus Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. American versus Iraq and Iran. That's interesting because uh, I'm looking at it too and I'm thinking um, that's like the MTV years where you're getting into video and you're getting into uh, the visual of it. And then the 80s style was big and colorful and bold. And I think. The wrestling world adapted that as well. And the things that wrestlers have been doing forever, you know, speaking to the crowd, worked so well for video. And what we call a promo, when the wrestler is generally hyping up for the next match. And once you learn the formula, you can never not notice it. Never unsee it. (laughs) So it's like, it's like, hey, opponent's name, you said disparaging thing about me, but at venue, date, time, location, we're going to (laughs) fight. 
and <laughs> opponent name when we meet at venue, date, time, location. Like it's oh. going down. <laughs> the perfect ad promo. I mean, they're they're amazing at it, but they the way they do it, they make you you know. Until I really learned it, it never occurred to me. It was just so smooth. But you know, now I can notice like, okay, they're naming the place, they're naming oh. the date. It's, you know, it's kind of like a commercial or an ad. Now, do you fear you're pulling back the curtain a little bit by letting people know, or is it... That's a big debate. Some people really... There are things that even I choose not to know about wrestling. There are a few, for, you know, real professional wrestlers, they have a, a certain number of kind of story beats that they have uh, when doing a regular match, and they have their own kind of names. And that's something for me, I've kind of chosen not to do, like dig too deeply into, because I don't want to have it just totally dissected. I like being a smart mark. I like having a little bit of knowledge, but then a little suspension of disbelief. Still being able to enjoy it mm -hmm. on that level. As a, okay. Yeah, it's like being too deep into like being a theater director. Absolutely. I can see too much <laughs> I mean, because I've done it too much. Because once you, once you notice a thing, it's really hard to not notice. Uh, one of my favorites, and spoils for a lot of people, uh, whenever a wrestler sets at a table, I always thought of this as kind of a dramatic irony thing. So a wrestler, you're a wrestler, you set up a big folding table, and you want to put me through it. Basically, if you sit at the table, you are always going through it. <laughs> and I kind of thought, I'm like, oh, that's like a dramatic, like, oh, look at this guy. He's trying to set up a big prop, and he's actually the one who falls through it. The reason is because he's going through it, he needs to make sure it's safe, and he can actually check the table, set up his prop, and make sure it's in working order because he's the one going through it. So he, that's the, he's playing stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's so that was a, for me as a lifting back of the curtain a little bit because it was something I'd already noticed, but I didn't know that was the reason why. Oh, so he's just double checking it to make sure mm -hmm. it's gonna. So it's not like a story it's gonna, thing. It's gonna perform well. Yeah, a, that's I thought it was like a story thing, and it's actually a very practical safety thing. Oh, that. Okay, now that also there's this term in theater called Chekhov's gun. Yeah, do, do you know it? Yes. Yeah. So is that is, so? Is the table being set up kind of the same thing? Absolutely. If a table is set up, people will be very cross if no one goes through it. <laughs> so like folding chairs. <laughs> yes. Basically, once once something is revealed, it's definitely going to be used. Or if you're paying attention, if commentary mentions something, it's going to happen. Now you get, uh, especially with TV wrestling, you get commentary saying, you know, oh, we'll make sure if we if we have to, we'll go past broadcast time. That means they will probably go past broadcast time. Wow. Or if they mention, you know, no one, no one in the history of the, you know, the Royal Rumble has won it from this spot. Well, probably. Somebody. Because it's giving you that little bit of history. So when that does happen, you say, oh, wow, no one yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. And the crowd goes wild. It's like, what a great feat. No one from blah, blah, blah has done it from this spot. It's like giving you that little bit of history. So you feel informed. And then you feel cool for being there. Mm -hmm. And you're a mark. You're a mark. Oh, that's marvelous. I'm a total mark. That's marvelous. <laughs> um, is the now, do you have commentators at your? Yes, yeah, since I've been more of an organizer, I, I tell people I don't have the capacity to plan things and also wrestle. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm already stressed about making sure the trains run on time, much less like breaking my thumb again. <laughs> Uh, but I still like performing and I like speaking. And so I do commentary for Claw, which okay. is great because I know the moves. A lot of members of Claw aren't into wrestling. Really? Could not care less. So why do they do it? <laughs> I'm not totally sure. I think it's people who have a performing background and who like the idea of just being kind of in a, a community organization. And so I'd say maybe 50-50 right now. Uh, 50, 
50% love wrestling and 50% have never watched a minute of it in their lives. But they're out there. But they're wrestling. out there doing wrestling moves. <laughs> now, so then is it, see, this is, this for me is the interesting part. Why? Why? Mm. What goes through your head? <laughs> if I, you have no idea about, yeah, no interest in watching it or even, but yeah, you're out there. I like to think we're good marketers. Uh, a lot of people who, <laughs> a lot of people who don't like watching but still join are people who did see us perform at a festival at a park and thought like, hey, that looks really cool. I want to try it. So even though they don't have that basis, they just saw something that looks cool. And I mean, that's, that's pure. That, yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah. I won't, I won't, I'll give you that one. Um, now, is it also the physicality of it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm sure because I couldn't do it, you know, the way I'm built, my age and that kind of thing. There's no way. Yeah. This is definitely where the fake pro wrestling comes into play. Uh, I am friends with real pro wrestlers, and they they do real, real training. Um, the kind of things you need to do, the kind of feats you need to perform before you're even accepted in wrestling school. Some of the tests, you know, are 100 burpees, 50 pull-ups, like 100 push-ups, 300 jack, you know, jumping jacks, and doing those back to back to back to back. Those are things that I am not... <laughs> um, so we are you know much more relaxed we want everyone to feel safe and so the moves you know we do we do real wrestling moves sometimes they're a bit toned down okay um but we just we've kind of find something that works with the person so if they've got a bum knee we don't want to have them do a move where they're going to land on their knees or if they're afraid of falling backwards because in wrestling you take a lot of uh what they're called bumps anytime you take a move you're taking a bump and wrestlers take a lot of back bumps they end up flat on their back it's like a trust fall where no one catches you (laughs) i personally i don't like back bumps i don't like just falling straight back to the grounds okay uh do you perform in a a sprung ring kind of thing do you have that thing we do not we perform on i would say maybe two inch uh, gymnastics mats okay and so we uh just have a stage we can basically perform anywhere which is nice as long as we have space and we're doing these moves on just foam mats, which do not provide a lot of bounce back. So back to our, our Mexican cousins, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing a lot of rolls and that kind of technique. We do. Uh, every new wrestler, we go through safe fall training. So I actually learned how to do this in self-defense class. It's you learn how to take a fall safely. Right. Where you're not landing on your arm. You're not hitting your head first. And so with every new wrestler, we go through the safe fall training and just teaching them, you know, you fall, fall on your back. You fall on the meat of your back. Or if you're taking a side fall, you fall kind of on the meat of your hip. You Start make sure on your upper leg and hip, right? Mm-hmm, your arm's not underneath you. And so we go through that. And that's kind of when we get kind of get a feel for what someone's comfortable with. Um, we teach a lot of rolls. I'm also terrible at rolls. I apparently never did like somersaults as a kid. <laughs> so we do little somersaults. We do forward rolls. We do backwards rolls. But learning those, you kind of get that instinct where at the end of a move, rather than going splat, again, you can roll through roll it. Roll out of it. And so much better. It sounds akin to gymnastics. Mm-hmm. It sounds akin to, uh, I haven't had a lot of it, but it does sound similar to stunt training, mm-hmm. which I I would say is probably its closest cousin. Um, it's akin to dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of the physicality and the performability of it. Um, now do you think those reasons might be some of the reasons some people get into it? I think absolutely. A, you know, without just, 
being a big fan of the pro wrestling circuit? Just thinking right now, we have performers with backgrounds in dance, backgrounds in gymnastics, backgrounds in cheer. And oh, so sure. um, one was a soccer goalie who is very at home throwing herself on the ground. <laughs> I mean, she took she took a, a side bump and I'm like, oh, that's classic like soccer keeper. That totally makes sense. Oh, that ma that does make sense. She's just boof. So, yeah, I think people with those backgrounds uh, work perfectly in claw. And we have I mean, we have people with martial arts backgrounds and sometimes it's hard for them because they have to learn how to do things uh, maybe a little simpler. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, do they have to unlearn? I'm, that was my next question. Do people have to unlearn I, techniques I, for claw? Yeah, for I think wrestling? occasionally, especially if you have a martial arts background. Yeah, there are some things that are very applicable. You know, they do a lot of safe fall mm -hmm. kind of training. Um, but yeah, there are some things where it's like, okay, you have to maybe take a step back because you know your opponent is not on that level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't take them out yet. Yeah, you got five minutes. Yes. There's a, a wrestler, Mick Foley. Um, he tells a story about, you know, seeing the wrestler Terry Funk. And uh, he's like, man, Terry Funk throws these amazing, like, fake punches. Because in wrestling, most promotions ban punches because it's hard to throw a good fake punch. Right. You have to really pull back at the end. Like, it's just, it's not easy. And so he saw Terry Funk throw these amazing punches. And he's like, man, I got to learn how he does this. And finally, he has a match with the Funker. And... Terry just hits him full on in the face. <laughs> <laughs> All those years he wasn't throwing worked punches. He was throwing just, real punches. Because you know, <laughs> uh, throwing a fake punch is not easy. No. And that's why, I mean, with, again, that funny, that funny level of practicality in wrestling promotions, you know, like, oh, like, you know, closed fists are banned because that's actually dangerous. And that's not like good wrestling. It's really because it doesn't look good. And so they get around it by having, oh, an official, oh, these so-called, an official rule. But really, it's just hard to do. <laughs> and so they'd rather people not do it because it looks fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love this so much. I can't. <laughs> why haven't I been watching wrestling all my life? I'm telling you. Um, no kidding. Um, yeah. And also, because uh, throwing a punch in theater is tough, but we also have the advantage of our audience being in one spot. Mm -hmm. Now, do you guys perform with audience all on all four sides all we, the way around we generally or? do or we have at least three sides um okay. and claw is weird because we perform with a band keep going yeah <laughs> again we're not uh exceptional wrestlers and so there are moments of downtime where it might be kind of boring to watch and so we have a live band who is playing generic punk music the entire time that's amazing. It gets the wrestlers pumped. It gets the audience pumped. It keeps the energy up. And it really, it just adds that little, that little something. That, that little bit of grit or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, oh, what so a the, grand idea. So that is not a normal aspect of wrestling. But I think for what we do, it works perfectly. I think it should be. I mean, I think that's brilliant. And, uh, okay, I, 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 I have to go to this next, you're, you're sparring at Spalling. I have to go to your next club. Uh, match. Please. I have to, have to, have to, have to. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Okay. Um, you said a minute ago, wrestling school. Yes. There's, it's like, it's like anime. There's always a school for it, but there's a school for wrestling. There is. Uh, there are many. Uh, some are more reputable than others. Naturally. <laughs> so the best schools in the country are ones that are run directly by people who generally were on TV promotions. And so former. Okay. Former WWE wrestlers, former WWF wrestlers, former WCW. Um, so that's kind of the American system where you have, you know, you trade at a school 
And um, that's a great source of income for some of these wrestlers. I mean, wrestling is a high impact, very concussion heavy sport. A lot of these people, you know, are done by their mid forties. Their bodies cannot take it. And so coaching is a great way for them to keep an income and kind of teach that new generation and also pass on the lessons of like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do, you know, a leg drop every night of your life for your career because it ruins your hips. Sure. Uh, Or, you know, this is a way you can do this safer. And so uh, those are the best wrestling schools. You've got kind of lower tier where it's like maybe someone who is friends with a person who is on, you know, on TV. (laughs) And then it goes all the way down to, you know, someone who's got a ring in their backyard and is charging guys, you know, 50 bucks to use it. (laughs) But there are are a few good ones around. Uh, My friends, he teaches at one in Springfield. It's a pinfall wrestling association. And I know he does a really good job. Okay. And people, yeah, they sign up and they do a lot of its physical conditioning. Because, I mean, a real wrestling match, it may go 30 or 40 minutes. And that's 30 or 40 minutes of performing at a pretty high... I'm going to say that's... You know, athletic level. Yeah, that's close to circus in terms of some of the physicality and Mm -hmm. the... Yeah. Um, Um, What you might like is, uh, again, there's all these fun international... uh, In the uh, the Japanese system, it's uh, it's dojo-based. And so if you want to wrestle for, say, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is the country's biggest wrestling promotion, uh, when you're 18 years old, you apply to go to the dojo. And if you get accepted, you move to the dojo, you live there, you work there full time. They, uh, They put you to work. And so when you're training, you set up the wrestling ring for the real wrestlers. You, (laughs) um, the, the older guys, so it's like, you've got the older, uh, in new Japan, they call them the new Japan dads. So you've got the wrestlers who are in their fifties and sixties who have been there their whole lives. You might have to, you know, scrub their back at the sauna. (laughs) You carry their bags, but through that system, you spend years training, not having to worry about having a job, having to work. You do nothing but train and learn pro wrestling. And when you kind of debut, I mean, you've got five or six years of support behind you. That's amazing. It's wild. And what they specifically do is right before, basically when their wrestlers are ready, they're finished from the dojo, they send them away. And they spend up to a year, two years on excursion and another promotion, sometimes in a different country. So they might be in Mexico for a year or the UK for a year or the US where they're learning an entirely new style, working on character. And then when they come back, they're ready to go. It sounds like they take it a lot more seriously. It's incredibly serious. And it's, you know, it's much more restrictive um, because if you're not an 18 year old fresh high school graduate, then it is harder to kind of get started. And so I think that's where our system is a little more open. You have people that started later. Um, You've got some people um, like Diamond Dallas Page. He didn't start wrestling until he was in his 30s, but ended up becoming a very popular figure, like really well loved. He probably couldn't have done that in the Japanese system. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, it's, I don't know if I ever could have done, I mean, because I'm thinking about what I've seen and what you're telling me. Uh, it Physically, it's it sounds tough. It's incredibly demanding. You're doing a ton of aerobic um, activity, but also, I mean, you know, a lot of moves, you're trying to make it as easy as you can. So if it looks like someone's lifting another person, the other person's probably given the little jump, but you are yeah. doing, you're manipulating someone else's body often in the air, bringing them down safely. It's a, it's a lot of work. And then still acting like you're trying to mm-hmm. not, you know, bust them in half. Mm-hmm. That's, 
It's amazing. It's pretty wild. It I really wild. love it. Okay. So <laughs> in terms of yourself, okay. Um, you, you, I have this, a little, um, I wrote down a little note. Uh, is it akin to like, uh, Olympic Greco Roman wrestling or is it something completely different? Is there a blend somewhere? Yeah. Every style is different. Um, there are some things that are, common across all types of wrestling. So the certain things like, you know, like having someone in a knuckle lock or an elbow and shoulder, you know, collar and elbow tie up. There are some things that are fairly similar um, between uh, it's real wrestling and fake wrestling. So, you know, like uh, Greco-Roman folk style and different countries, again, that have that difference, you know, they, they may favor one of the other. Okay. A lot of pro wrestlers are former high school wrestlers and college wrestlers. So you get people with that kind of background. It's more that um, you just don't get points during the match. You know, it's it's more show based. So in a real wrestling match where you may get points or you may have some certain outcome that you know, doesn't necessarily happen in pro wrestling, but you have right. some of those same moves. Okay. Yeah. So it, it bleeds over. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, earlier when we were talking, you spit out a few character names or I guess character is the right word or... Yeah, we kind of we'll, we'll call us all our, we'll call ourselves wrestlers, characters, kind of interchangeable. Okay. And again, that's I apologize if I'm insulting because this is <laughs> no. my, <laughs> the, those are my terms I know from my field. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you have one? Yes, uh, my character is a is a cashier because I spent many years of my life working in a grocery store, and uh, <laughs> I'm the Midwest Midnight Checkout Queen. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Say that again. The Midwest. Yeah, I'm the Midwest Midnight Checkout Queen or Checkout Queen for short. The check. <laughs> so now how much of your persona is, is it just a name? Is it just a costume? Is it, or are there like personality quirks yeah. that show up? Please, please, please. Everyone, everyone kind of takes it to a different level. So mine's fairly light because again, I don't do a ton of wrestling, but I still... I will be in character as, you know, doing commentary. Uh, but, you know, I'll bring a bag of groceries to the ring. Um, during <laughs> during promo photo shoots, I might, like, break a baguette over my knee. <laughs> uh, an, early, an early source of conflict. So, so we have a character. Um, she's your mom. That's it? Just <laughs> That's your mom? That's it, your mom. <laughs> and so, you know, she'll come to the ring complaining that the other wrestler, like, you know, took her Tupperware and never brought it back. Or <laughs> Oh, stars. That's great. <laughs> and so in an early show, uh, your mom and I got into an argument because she kept trying to use expired coupons in my checkout line. And I didn't like that. <laughs> so she had to call for the manager. <laughs> and that was you and all that yeah so well she called the manager on me and so that was our source of conflict and like we're gonna fight mom like i'm sick of you disrespecting me at the checkout line oh that's <laughs> <laughs> so um um it sounds like and again this this is just me com uh learning about this it sounds like old commedia style performance where there's just this real rough scenario behind the dare i say script yeah or <laughs> absolutely we try and you know because our main again kind of back to boring practicality my main concern is safety so i want to pair a more experienced wrestler with a less experienced one i don't want two newbies fighting and so you know it's fun when character ideas really work out but my goal is for someone experienced to work with someone less experienced and then okay. whatever story they can figure out from there perfect whatever 
any loose hook will work. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, great. with real wrestling, there's not always a reason. Sometimes the guys are just fighting because the promotion said, hey, fight. Okay. And so it's it's fun. Um, right now, we have a new character, uh, and her idea is Moist Owlet. <laughs> okay explain yes she's uh she's an owl character and uh i guess she's moist we haven't <laughs> we haven't established much further she has a move called the wet nap <laughs> but first so she's a newbie and perfectly we were able to pair her up with uh a slightly more experienced wrestler who is attila the hen and we're gonna oh, have, so a, a little, we have a bird fight a little a little uh, Mexican rooster kind of. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. So if something works out like that, perfect. If not, we can make it work. That's funny. I like the. I like. I like. Think I like the attitude behind it. It's just. It's not. It's you know, the performance. The performative aspect is very lighthearted, mm-hmm. and uh, just based on silly fun. Whereas the physical performative of it is very carefully I won't say scripted that's not right but I would say monitored. Absolutely. And I mean that's the goal for in real wrestling as in ours, you know, you have the ref who's that third person and they're kind of there to make sure things are going to plan. So obviously they play the role of person who ends the match and you know enforces the right. rules. But if someone gets a concussion, they're there to say like, "Hey, like we need to go ahead and stop right. the match. Like we're going to move on." And so having that third person to kind of monitor the situation is ideal. And that's something you would never, I would never have suspected as a kid mm-hmm. that that ref is part of the team. Yeah. And again, kind of breaking that suspension, um, especially in modern wrestling, every ref has a head, a little uh, earpiece. And so they're getting information from the back, even just mundane things like, oh, the TV commercial went, went long and the match two minutes early. And so they're able to communicate that to the performers. Or, you know, again, if it, for in course, in case of injury, like, you know, so, right. so and so, like, broke this, let's get the doctor out here, let's get someone else to stall. So, I mean, it's a great amount of uh, information that gets exchanged between the ref and the people in production. Yeah, so you've got kind of like a floor manager of sorts. <laughs> Absolutely. Stage manager of sorts. For us, we're a little we're a little uh, low-tech, but well, just having that third person to really make sure things are being safe. Well, right, but it's a safety valve of sorts. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. And they're a character, which is fun, too. It's just another, a third person to be up there. and right. Is the the ref then part of the the conflict, as it were, or is it, or is that person there just to stay kind of neutral and keep an eye on things? Yeah, you really get a wide variety um, in claw as well as just you know wrestling in general. Um, the kind of fun thing is a lot of refs have sort of their own character. Um, maybe maybe one is a real hard ass about enforcing the rules. Maybe one kind of turns a blind eye as long as the match is going well. And so you kind of get like, if I'm watching an AEW match and I see like Rick Knox is officiating, I say, oh, Rick's going to, he's going to favor the Young Bucks in this one. Okay. And so they have their own kind of characters. Um, in Claw, we've got former wrestler, the Thigh Master, who referees. <laughs> and she's a little ditzy and kind of a little, a little, um, you know, doesn't quite pay attention. And so it's maybe easier to get something over on her. Than another ref, but then that still becomes part of the performance, mm-hmm. and the audience picks up on that third character. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's genius! You don't want them to take, uh, you don't want them to take kind of eyes away from the wrestlers, but to kind of supplement and make the performance even better. Right, 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 right. It's, it's your background characters that 
can shift a little bit. And uh, one thing that really stuck out to me was someone was explaining the wrestler is the audience or the, the referee is the audience surrogate. And so seeing the reaction of the referee, cause I mean, they're human. They see a, they see a nasty hit. They go, Oh, and they kind of make a little face and they're really letting you know, like what you should, how you should be reacting to this match. And so they're modeling. Oh, that's interesting. They're modeling the reaction they want you to have. Is that fairly common practice then? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. So if you watch a rough space, I mean, there are some that are maybe a little more more stone faced than others, but there are some that you know the way they react is the way that you should be reacting. So they're the, the grounding agent of sorts. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That oh my gosh, it's so they think of everything. Yeah, I mean, well, I you know <laughs> I would imagine so after you know you you do it for so many decades, but. Um, I always just, you know, as a kid, you're always fighting with your friends. No, it's real. No, it's not. No, it's real. No, yeah, it's I just, not. I just saw him go through a table. Of course it's real. Yeah. Like, of course it's real. You've seen that guy with the blood. Mm-hmm. And then you read something like, oh, yeah, they got little blood pills or what have you. Ooh, yeah. Blood is um is a pretty, uh, a pretty touchy subject lately. It was kind of moved away from the product in the last 20 years or so. Some promotions are kind of getting back into it, uh, but they really cut themselves. Um, that's actually for some promotions, the ref will hand the wrestler a little razor blade and they will cut themselves along the hairline to get some of that blood flow for maybe a really gory match. Ooh, ooh. It's nasty. Oh, yuck. So that one, that's, I mean, it's someone's really cutting themselves, so they're, it's their blood, but it's not, <laughs> not quite real. Blech. Yeah, claw is blood free. Well, we have fake blood sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what's <laughs> it what was, kind of scenario would you put the fake blood in? This, was this a, is the stuff that fascinates yes, me. Yes, this is a little before my time. I I just heard we had we had to stop doing fake blood because it was hell to clean out of the mats. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten beer on the mats. Uh, we used to have a wrestler. She was Stone Cold Jane Austen. Oh, great. And if you know anything about Stone Cold Steve Austin, he right. cranks the beer. And yeah, so she would come out in her little cutoff jeans, like the Stone Cold shirt, and then a bonnet. <laughs> oh, just, just to uh, make the identification. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have, we're very no. prop. Claw loves props. We have some characters that every match, you know, maybe the, maybe the corn stalker is throwing popcorn in the audience. Um, Attila the Hen, she, uh, she's amazing. She does 3D printing. And so she 3D printed some eggs that she could lay onto her opponents and then break open and they were full of slime. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're chucking food at people mm-hmm. and busting baguettes overhead. Anytime and- we can have, you know, an element of performance that's not adding any danger, we take it. If it adds spectacle and keeps everyone safe, we are down. It sounds like you take a lot more fun in. The big flashy part of it. Cause I, uh, and again, this is going back to stuff I've seen as a kid and my friends. Um, some people really are into the physical wrestling, mm-hmm. the physicality. This sound, the claw, your group sounds a lot more playful. Yes. If you are a grappling, uh, purist, you probably won't enjoy claw. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely try and keep it. Cause again, you know, a lot of our members don't know or care about wrestling. They, they know some, what, but they know when something looks good and looks big and flashy, and they go for it. And they have that performance knowledge, maybe not wrestling knowledge. But they enjoy the, the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. You, That's, I mean, it's, it, to get those crowd reactions, it feels good. And oh, sh <laughs> especially when, when you see, you know, when you see something live, it really lowers the barrier that you have to hit. If I'm watching something on TV and maybe someone just does a simple suplex, you know, it looks good. Like, oh, that's cool. If you see it in real life, 10 feet in front of you, it looks awesome. <laughs> like, it looks really cool. The live show's always better. Yeah. And yeah. so we don't have to, we don't have to break our heads to really get good crowd reactions. We can do some basic, safe as they can be moves and the crowd enjoys it. And it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to go flying through the air. It's take it. I, I did tweak my neck recently on a judo throw. <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It hurt my pride more than my neck, I think. Okay, good. <laughs> as long as you're fine. Um, okay, uh, last last few questions here. Mm -hmm. What about this turned you on? Mm. I mean, why? I mean, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, mm -hmm. but I use the phrase, what turned you on about I, this? That yeah, I think the, for one, just the, the communal nature of Claw, having this group where we're all doing this, we're planning it, we don't have to plan it. We don't get a lot of us spend money to do this. So there's this aspect of we're choosing to take part in this activity. And then when we actually do it, you're in front of this crowd. You've got people kind of ooing and aahing when you do really cool moves. It's just, it's a really interesting way to perform. You know, it's, it's local theater, but through the lens of pro wrestling, which okay. for me is perfect. But the... the so is it the performance that turns you on? Is it the physical? Is it the, mm. the athleticism that turns you on? Is it the combination? I think it's the combination. I like, I think the planning and then the success of just like, I'm, we're getting together, we're putting this thing together and then it's actually happening. We're doing it. Ah, mm -hmm. it's so great. Because again, I do a lot of the planning. Right. And so for me, getting that release of like, I've spent months getting this together. Oh my God, this is so great. And now it's done. And, the <laughs> and then it's kind of, for me, it's like camping. It's like, by the time I've forgotten how hard it was to do like the last camping trip, I'm ready to do another one. Okay. So it's like, by the time I've forgotten how much I struggled to plan this show, I'm ready to plan the next one. And okay. is there anything about it that turns you off? Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm definitely the worst wrestler in claw. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> I think I've racked up the most injuries. So does that automatically make you the worst? Then? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I am not, I was never a sporty kid. I was never, never did any kind of sports. Uh, marching band was as close as I got to a sport. Um, so I like the performance, but I desperately want to be a wrestler and I just really suck at it. And so I think being in that environment where I get to kind of act out and like have a little bit of that experience without having to do a thousand burpees and right. jumping off the top rope. A <laughs> <laughs> learn at your own pace kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. But for me, some of the physicality you know, we mentioned earlier, I take terrible back bumps. I can't commit. I kind of like flail halfway through. Cause again, you're falling from standing on your back to the floor. Right. It's a little scary. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I get a little, I get scared a little, a little anxiety mm. there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Um, another question. Um, First of all, this is fascinating to me, this whole thing, and I can't thank you enough for uh, telling me about it. Um, what, I ask this question to everybody, is there another art form that you don't participate in that you would think you would like to or want to somewhere down the line? Oh, interesting. Hmm. There are definitely things that are more 
again, kind of more physical and performative in nature. Um, some some martial arts. I was actually looking at the uh, the capoeira listing at the IMC, <laughs> and I'm just like, ooh, dance and martial arts. I think there's just uh, for me there's a a real a real element of physicality that I don't feel especially connected to my body. And so there have been times where I thought maybe looking into dance or something that I've never tried, maybe try and make that connection with movement in my own body. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we had a guest on a few weeks ago. His name is Miles Norsworthy, and he's with the HEMA group, and it's all uh, kind of antique sword fighting. And, Interesting. You know, you know, and it's the same kind of thing. They just get out there and teach each other the right moves, and then they go at it. And it's feels uh, yeah, that feels very similar. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it it feels like um, the way you talk about it, it's the same kind of impulse. There's a performative aspect, but there's a certain it's it's a lot more below the neck mm -hmm. in terms of the learning the learning curve. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, is there another art form that you know you would never want to try? <laughs> Ooh, it's tough. Um. I definitely have done a little bit of music. I've never tried dance, but I'd be curious about it. Uh, probably anything like vocal singing. I like speaking. I like talking. I, I like say, recording. You have a career in radio. Yeah. I don't like singing. I mean, I like singing in the shower, but <laughs> I think that level of putting myself out there is just, I don't want to experience it. I don't want that level of vulnerability of singing in my own voice in front of other people. Now, I find that horribly contradicting. I know. <laughs> in the sense that, number one, you make a living talking into a microphone. And number two, you're sitting there telling me about uh, how I physically want to perform. And But what scares you about singing? I That's don't, I think there's just a, a level of, I have vulnerability I would feel using, you know, singing. Yeah, I think just singing, putting my putting my own voice out there. I can play an instrument and perform, totally fine. I I just couldn't sing. Okay. I can I couldn't tell you why, man. That's <laughs> Okay, um, save that one for the therapist. <laughs> no, there's a I I when I teach uh theater and playwriting, when we talk about character development, I always say there's one thing that seems super contradictory. You know, you may never show up in the play, or may show, never show up in a script, but put in your head that there's a contradictory element somewhere in this character. I think I may have found yours. I think so. Because <laughs> it's funny, I'm the I'm the first advocate for voices. You know, I like my own voice. I like listening. You sound phenomenal. I like listening to recordings myself. I tell other people when they're like, "Oh, I hate my voice," and I'll try and tell them the positive things about their voices. Right. I don't want to sing. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want anyone to hear my singing voice. I don't want to hear my singing voice. I mean, can you sing? I, I don't think so. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> it's none of your business. <laughs> um, any advice on anybody who wants to get into <laughs> uh, amateur wrestling? Yeah. Amateur I pro Real fake wrestling. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be a real wrestler, uh, go to a wrestling school. We actually got, um, cause you know, there's always the joke of like people like, oh, people don't know like pro wrestling is fake. And it's like, oh, it's real to me. There is a, a very sweet 18 year old who wrote into our website and she talked about how much she wanted to be a wrestler. And I said, Hey, and she also, she lived, I think in Taylorsville. And I said, Hey, that's great. Here's a wrestling school that you should check out. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> If she were in town, I might have, you know, said like, hey, come on and, you know, 
play around with us. But if she if she really wants to be a wrestler and she's not super close, like go to her. here's a here's the name of my friends. Here's Springfield. Yeah. Yeah. Go go check that out. But if you want to be a fake pro wrestler, uh, just come on by. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say um, there are other there are other promotions. I don't I haven't found anything quite like Claw. There's something similar, but they're a bit more on the wrestling side. They're called Blow. And I think it's um it's B L O W W and they're in Boston. I totally can't remember it's big oh yeah, I cannot remember what their acronym is, but they do similar to what we do, but it's a little bit more wrestling focused. Okay. And so they do a bit more a more training, more traditional wrestling, and they wrestle in a ring. Um, but if you want to, I just, I'd say, you know, get some friends, like kind of figure out what you want to do and just start making stuff. It's like, like any of this creative stuff, just start trying it. I mean, we just, Claw started five or six years ago. It was just a group of friends that wanted to try something new and made a whole little thing. And now you've got a, a community organization promoting wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, just try it. Just get some friends just, together and goof around. Is that around. how you guys started? Is that how Claw started? Yeah. So I wasn't there in the beginning, but it was literally just a group of friends who thought like, hey, let's let's put on like a fake pro wrestling group. And it stuck. And it stuck. That's, oh, I love that. That's genius. That's genius. Um, okay. I think this is, yeah. Last question. Mm-hmm. Where can we see... Well, where can we experience some of your art? Yes. So if you want to check out our website, which is 217claw.com, you can also find us on Facebook. I will dig out all the links. Yes. And put them in the descriptors. Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram and Twitter. But yeah, definitely check out our website. You can see some past wrestlers. There's some there's some really great ones But in there. We've got the Slice. She's a six-foot piece of pizza. We have a, uh, I'll let you figure this one out. We had Virginia Dentata. <laughs> I'll leave that Man. one to your imagination. <laughs> Can we see you personally on this website somewhere? I should be on there somewhere. We okay. need, we need to do it. We're in the process of doing a little revamp. So we should have some uh, fresh wrestlers up there. Okay. But, and then, yeah, check our shows. We're trying to have more of a social media and digital presence. That's okay. kind of in the works. So hopefully you'll see more videos, but yeah, check out our website. You can find all of our stuff. And you've got a show coming up mm-hmm. this summer. Yep. And this will be out in the air well before that, so you can plan ahead. Yeah, so we are at uh, Champaign, so Spalding Park in Champaign, Illinois. It's June 25th. Should start at 1 p.m., and uh, it'll be super fun. It's free. Uh, should be family-friendly. There'll be food trucks and activities. Oh, that will be fun. And I love the logo. I'm going to put the logo in there. You'll see it if you visit the website. The Claw logo is... Slightly genius, too. They did a great job designing that. Yeah, they did. Who did that? It was one of our early members. I think she was a graphic designer. Okay. Yeah, nicely done. So anyway, Alicia, thank you so much. I can't... Uh, this just tickles... This 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 whole conversation just tickles me to no end, so... Hey, I'll take any chance I can get to talk about wrestling. <laughs> well, thank you. And then uh, maybe we can have some you and more of your, your, your cohorts... Yes, do a please. Show. <laughs> Later on down the line. Awesome. Let's plan a watch party. Yeah, that would be good. That would be great fun. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for hanging around and geeking out with us. If you enjoyed the show, hit the like and subscribe buttons. And more importantly, join the conversation and leave us a message or comment. We'd love to hear about your nerdy art. Thanks again, and join us next week for more Art Nerds.